There it is. That horse is eating that guy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> nice. Listen. <laughs> oh, that was such a cute try. <laughs> sorry. This is your mom writes books. I'm Kayla McFarland and I have bronchitis. <laughs> I'm Charlie and Holmberg and I only have a little bit of post nasal drip, so I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> uh, I'm Mickey Helmer and I am in perfect health. <laughs> <laughs> we are yes. super excited to have Mickey back! Um, this is what's going to happen today, you guys, because Mickey is graciously here with us to tell us more about horses. I'm just here to tell you guys to listen, and then I'm going to basically mute my microphone, and Charlie and Mickey are going to talk, and that's going to be this podcast episode. We've got it. We can do this. I mostly believe in you guys. (laughs) We're either going to, like go way off topic or it's just gonna be deadly silent and then Caitlin's gonna have to rescue us <laughs> speaking of deadly I have so many topics <laughs> we have a cool book we're gonna talk about yeah Mickey was telling me some of the stuff and uh beforehand and it's gonna be fun and also Charlie she was telling me okay so I'm gonna mute myself and you guys take it away okay so if you guys haven't heard our season one episode on horses it is literally the most jam-packed episode we have, and I was just floored by how much Mickey knew about horses and also how much I didn't know about horses. So we decided we want to do a part two and really get more into the nitty-gritty of horses because especially us huh, being fantasy writers, we write about horses a lot and get it wrong a lot, correct? <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot that um, fantasy writers get wrong and I've sworn off reading some authors who will remain unnamed, but who are nonetheless extremely popular because they just can't get it right. And I refuse to like, it's a Google search guys. Come on. <laughs> one of them is Charlie Holmberg. She's no, no, no. Charlie's done fine. I actually don't know if I have a lot of horses in my books. No. Cause you're not using in your books. I'll just tell you real quick. You're not using like technical stuff. You're like, they got in a carriage and drove to the place. That's yeah. not, you know, super technical when it comes to horse horses but like when you're um you got someone with a chase scene or they're using a horse as or a horse equipment as like a plot foil or uh, to use as tension you need to have the details correct otherwise it's unbelievable okay so tell me in real life the end of tangled when they put Flynn Rider on that lever and they flip him and he flips through the air and then lands on a horse <laughs> Probably exploding his testicles. Tell me, what would happen in real life if well, that happened? I think you're pretty accurate with the exploding testicles <laughs> and possibly, you know, destruction of all genitalia. Um, you probably hurt the horse's back really hard because I don't know. You could probably find a YouTube video of an inexperienced rider kind of like going back and forth to situate themselves on the horse and you just see the horse's head like bop up and down. And I once tried to jump on a horse from a rail just to see what it was like. And it hurts. Like, you have no control over your landing. And I'm sure that professionals who do this like as trick horses and stuff, they're landing on the horse a little bit softer because they've trained for hours and hours and the horse is mm-hmm. also trained to take that impact. Um, but a horse that's not trained for that it probably wouldn't feel very good. 
And so the, because horses, believe it or not, they, their backs can get injured. I mean, the bones are technically fused um, and held together. The spine is technically fused and held together with like a tent, thick, really strong tendons. Um, But over time, if the horse hasn't been ridden or exercised, um, those tendons will start to relax and you get a thing called sway back where the horse's like back really dips down quite noticeably and also with age. So that's a good way to like injure those parts of the horses by jumping incorrectly on their back, like from a great height. So the Flynn rider thing was funny, um, but uh, yeah, not realistic. It probably wouldn't have happened, but it was good for a joke. Yeah. Can you still ride a horse that has that? Swayback? Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys remember in Mask of Zorro when he tried to jump on the horse from the roof of a building and then the horse just moved? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's all I thought of. Carry I on, Swayback. I need to watch back. that again. <laughs> like, there's a way to jump on a horse without hurting him, but it's like a trained situation. You've been trained to do this. Yeah. And you would practice with, like, a fake horse first as, like, a prop object, and then the horse would be trained for that. So um, in a fantasy setting, you could probably just write it as he jumped on the horse's back, but you could use it as a tension situation that the horse flinched and knocked him off immediately or the horse stepped to the side, you know, like in Zorro. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's plenty of options. Yeah, that's so funny. Uh, so basically what I've learned from you is that anything remotely special or seemingly normal, you have to have through a lot of training. <laughs> yeah, uh, at least a little bit. Like Archery on horseback starts like um, from the ground and then, you know, you're standing feet away from the horse so they can hear the twang of the bow and um, see the arrow hit the target. And that's a lot of sound and for them. And then you progressively like get closer to the horse until you're standing right next to them. And then you get like a block. So you're standing still next to the horse. You're not on the horse yet. Caitlin, you're not muted. You can hear this? Yeah. I can hear it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay, hold on. Um, Do you want to come downstairs and cuddle with me? <laughs> Here's another picture. Oh my gosh. That's... Here. <laughs> King, King Diomedes is being eaten by his mares. Which I feel like is a whole Freudian discussion all on its own. Hey guys, we realized that my mic was going through my computer instead of the actual high quality... <laughs> well, I can't talk. Instead of the actual high quality microphone I have plugged into it. So um, here I am. You can hear me now. Um, Hopefully we'll see how well you can tell once I've done it, put it through uh, post-production stuff. But okay, carry on. Uh, I think you guys are talking about Flynn Wright. I don't know. What were you guys talking about? Oh, what were we talking about? You were explaining something. Oh, we're talking about archery. You wanted to know about training horses. And I was telling you as an example, like how to get some like a horse trained for something and like the steps. So it would be like archery. You start shooting the arrow on horseback or not on horseback near the horse, but like 10 feet away. And then you just progressively get closer and tell the horse is like, I'm cool with this. You never start off just on the back of the horse firing an arrow. You know, you work up to it. That would be an awesome scene. Can you imagine someone's like, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot this arrow while I'm running away and the horse just freaks and you like get dropped. Yeah, like um, I've never, when I trained my mare for it, I was like, I did that thing where um, I just got on, I didn't get on her back. I just stood right next to her as close as I could get and shot the the arrow. But she is in her like late teens at that point. And mm-hmm. I had personally been training her and she's like, oh, great. The human's going to do something stupid again. And so <laughs> she just stood there and took it like a champion, you know. And the other day I took um, balloons and I just hit her with like a bouquet of balloons that were left over from a bachelor part or a, a bridal shower. And I just, I was like, I want to see what she's going to do. So I just walked up <laughs> to her in the field and like 
shoved a bunch of balloons at her and she was like, again. And I went up to my gelding and tried to do the same thing. And he was like, flee, flee for your life. So, you know. <laughs> you sh- Did you record it? I did. Good. I want to see. That's funny. Yeah, I can send you the video. I thought it'd make a good TikTok, but it kind of yeah. didn't come together nicely. So. Oh, too bad. Okay. That's awesome though. Okay. I was, let's rewind just a hot second. Would mm-hmm. you, just for our knowledge slash my knowledge, would you just go over the breeds of horses again? Oh, just, oh yeah. The main like, People like, oh yes, he's a bay or she's a bay filly or blah, blah, blah in books. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> okay. So let's talk. Uh, so what you just said, a bay filly is you're, you're saying there's a, um, a not like a, an immature female horse that is the color of a bay, which is a brown horse with dark points. So their legs are fade to black and their ears fade to black and their nose fades to black. And they usually have a black mane and tail. Um, that would be a bay filly. Uh, so when we're talking breeds, we're talking like, um, same thing with dog breeds, you know, like there's a poodle, there's a chihuahua. So when horses, we have things like Arabians, quarter horses, thoroughbreds, draft horses, like, uh, Clydesdales, Percherons, which we talked about before, mm-hmm. um, uh, Shires, Gypsy Vanners, um, in the, and those are all the cold horse breeds and the hot, ho- the thoroughbreds and the Arabians are kind of like the main breed. Mm-hmm. of horse that you see in books and in history. So Arabians were the horses. They looked a little different, but Arabians were the horses that uh, knights rode into battle. Were they expensive? Hmm? Yes. Oh, I should say, I want to cut in really quick and say, if you guys haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to part one first. Cause we're going to, Mickey's going to talk about some things that we already covered, like hot blooded versus cold blooded horses. Yeah. And that kind of thing. Yeah. And we did talk about like knights horses. Mickey talked about them costing as much as, not a Ferrari. Well, if you think about like housing prices right now, like a house is like $300,000. A house or a horse, that like an Arabian horse back in those times would have cost upwards of $100,000. Yeah, that's crazy. So if we if we do the math. So they were just very, very expensive. And a knight would have sometimes two or three of those. Uh, so they were, you know, technically really, really rich. Or they'd have a patron that would pay for that. So... It, there are some other horses that we didn't talk about, like donkeys and mules and things. I don't know if you guys want to know about that. Because <laughs> um, there's like an astonishing difference between some of those. Well, donkeys are really small, aren't they? Or is it just like the one species of donkey that I pass on the freeway? No, they're all the same species. They just come in different sizes. You have like the super massive. It's not called super massive. It's called, look, I, I don't hang out with these um but there's a a giant donkey like it's a recognized breed of giant donkey Mm -hmm. um and then you've got like can can you ride it like you would ride a horse Mm -hmm. okay i don't know why you would want to but uh yeah you can (laughs) they're usually used as pack animals for like Mm -hmm. hunting purposes in in america and um you see a lot of like um discovery channel and animal planet shows that will have like a documentary showing like a donkey completely overladen with like a towering pile of sticks because mm-hmm. they can carry a lot of extra weight that a horse can't because their bodies are just built a little different. Mm-hmm. So mules are just kind of, you know, a cross between a donkey and a horse, but there's two types of mules. One of them is a, a mule, the standard mule, which is a cross between a male donkey and a female horse. And then the result is mm-hmm. um, typically not breedable. So they're um, infertile. And then you have a hinny, H-I-N-N-Y, that is a cross between a male horse and a female donkey. 
And uh, those ones are a little bit different. They tend to be like the more on the donkey side for some reason. I don't know how the genes work on this, but they're also a little, they're also infertile. And um, in most cases, sometimes you'll get like the weird one that you're like, uh, my mule got pregnant. That's weird. Um, but the hinny <laughs> is a little bit hardier and will eat more of like what donkeys will eat. Like they'll eat shrubs um, instead of like, they won't just have a primarily grass hay diet, but they'll like go after bushes and things that horses aren't typically known to eat. Um, but here's the really cool part. Horses have an 11th month gestation, but hinnies and mules have a 12 month gestation. Huh. All these things I did not know. Right. That one I found out. And I was like, I got to tell someone this. So I told you. <laughs> but donkeys and uh, mules, you would call like a Jenny. A female mule is a Jenny. And then a male is a Jack. That's why you get jackass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Okay. So like, I always wonder though. So all the donkeys that I've seen are the really small, like, burrow donkeys. Mm -hmm. Like, what What good are they? <laughs> they can, like, a small child could ride it, and that's it. They're really good for pack animals. So, like, so cowboys. So, really tiny ones? Yeah, they're really great for pack animals and, for, or, like, work animals. Really excellent for that. And they're kind of, you know, built for it. They're also really good as protection animals. They'll kill, they'll kill coyotes. So, if you put, like, a donkey out in a herd, um, they make that horrible braying noise that not everybody loves. Um, and it will totally alienate your neighbors, like the same way having a rooster would. It's just mm -hmm. really annoying. And, but yeah, they'll go after dogs and, you know, predators that are not supposed to be in with the herd. So it's just another kind of protection animal you could also get. Oh my gosh. Now that you said that, I'm like, oh, I knew this at one point. We went to a petting zoo somewhere, I think it was near Eden, Utah. And I remember they had a sign outside the donkey pen that said that they were alarm animals. Mm-hmm. I just remember, I think swans are too, maybe. I don't, I don't know anything <laughs> about swans. I just know that they could break a man's wrist, but yeah. Yeah, they're mean. We went but, to, yeah. tangent, we went to Bear World several years ago. So if you guys don't know, Bear World is in Idaho, not too far from Yellowstone. And basically all the bears that were either in entertainment and are retired or that were injured too much to go back into the wild live at Bear World. So you just drive through the park and there's just bears everywhere. They're like, keep your doors locked because they know how to open doors. Anyway, so we, I asked somebody, like, what's the meanest animal at the park? And like, oh, it's the swan. <laughs> it's not the bears. There's a swan that's super mean. And like when they go to like feed it, they have to bring two people and one person has to run around and distract the swan so the other person can go put the food in like its trough <laughs> or whatever it is. I just thought that was really funny. And then more tangent, the bears, the show bears, um, like you can go on this tour and you can feed them bagels and the show bears always get more food because they do tricks. Oh they yeah. Know how to do tricks. And so the bears who were wild bears who were injured have also learned how to do tricks because they know it gets them more food. Oh my gosh. Hey, I do the same thing with horses. I'll take two horses into the arena and I'll train one and let the other watch. And then I have to do less training for the second one. I believe it. Cause they That's learn, good. they'll learn by example. Yeah. Good. That's cool. Okay. Also bagels. I could live like a bear. This is a question that my husband Jordan really wanted me to ask. Can you ride a Clydesdale? Yeah. Like, is that normal? Because they usually yeah, use yeah. to pull wagons, right? They're Yeah, they're typically used to pull wagons or to haul things, um, you know, rip out tree stumps, that kind of, you know, they're a workhorse. But mm -hmm. um, a really heavily built, somewhat overweight man, like a tall man that's overweight, would be really comfortable on a Clydesdale. And a Clydesdale would be comfortable carrying him as well. Um, so you can ride them, but also I would ask, can you do the splits? Cause you're going to be sore. Right. I would be sore. <laughs> that was my next question. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, it's a, it's a wide load to straddle. So yeah. Mm. And then Jordan also wanted to know if all horses are rideable. Yeah. Uh, yes. Like, what do you mean by that? I guess all, I'm, I think he means all breeds. Um, yes. Minis are right. Like miniature horses. They come mm-hmm. to like your hip or your knee height. You know, they're very small. You know, they're in the pony class. So they'd be like rideable by a very small child or they could pull a cart with just one person in them. Mm-hmm. Um, but every horse typically you would use in, in some way as like a workout horse or a recreational animal. Um, I, I don't know. I can't even think of one that wouldn't be usable unless it was medically unsafe, you know, or unsound or had something else wrong with it or is yeah. missing a leg. But if yeah. it were healthy and it's a horse, yeah, technically you could ride it. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Next question. I want to talk stable, stable hands and stable care, because Ooh. I feel like a lot of times in, in books, you'll have horses, but they might not be the main thing. We talk about, oh, the stable boy or like the horse care, you know, like what's going on in the stables. So mm-hmm. I want to know like how all of that works. Like how long can you stable a horse? Okay. So how you can stable a horse is, to, or how typical stabling of a horse works is the horse lives in a stall that is either 12 foot by 12 foot or 12 foot by 24. Um, and they're not usually smaller than that, or they live in a group or like a herd dynamic in a, what is called a paddock, which is like a larger corral area. There will be water and a place for hay. So typically those are at the front of the stall. And then the stall door um, is not like a slide like a open out or open in it's a sliding door you don't mm. to save on space um and they've been sliding doors or um what a lot of people will do is they'll do chains that go from like a bolt on one side of the door frame and that hook over on like a nail or um some kind of latch on the other side they do chains that way and horses are pretty respectful of uh barriers unless they're you know, super angry about their food or something like that. Um, so stabling would be like in the morning they get hay or grain, depending on what they want or what their diet is. Then the horse is, um, they eat about 10 o'clock. They're turned out for pasture. Um, there will be like a separate pasture and most stables would have that. And so horse gets a little bit of exercise. If there is no pasture, then the horse is walked or sometimes ridden. Then they'll probably be exercised or trained. The trainer will come by and do like a 45 minute session, ride the horse, or like, let's say the the person who owns the horse will come out and ride the horse or the horses will be um, hitched up after their breakfast to their carriage and they'll be driving the streets. Right. So horse will come back from its work or its day um, or they'll be switched out. So some horses like at Disneyland, I know the horses are on shifts, so they'll do like a four hour shift or like a two hour shift or something like that. And they'll go back and get a different team of horses that will, um, and that draw the carriages at Disneyland. Um, and then those horses are given break for the day, sent out to pasture or whatever. Then the horses are brought in off the field or brought back in. Everybody's groomed or fed, you know, basically cleaned up for the night. Um, and then everybody's fed, um, and then at that point, the stable hands go through and there's a lot of cleaning that, ha- that, that, um, happens. So before the stable lights are turned off or the stables closed up, all, um, every corridor will be brushed out and clean of any hay scraps or like bed, bedding scraps, like straw or sh- wood shavings. Every so day. The, every day. Every okay. day. Mm-hmm. Um, these days there's not swept. We just use like, um, like a leaf blower and we just blow it all out onto the, into the back. You know, we're just like, yeah, get it out of the dirt pile and scrape it all up into a pile and throw it on the compost heap. Um, but in like a medieval type setting, uh, while the horses are out being um, shown, worked out to pasture, the stalls would be cleaned. 
So the stable hands would come in with their pitchforks and their buckets or their wheelbarrows. They would clean up the stalls, put in fresh bedding if fresh bedding needed to be put in. Do they use like a hoe, like hoes and shovels too? Uh, not really, because a hoe is like at that pointy triangle tip and it's going to gouge the Which dirt. I'm just thinking like something to scrape poop off the floor. Like a <laughs> like shovel. Like, you know, you see in like okay. movies or places with elephants, they use like a big snow shovel that's got this huge, big... Okay. We use one of those like to scrape poop out of a trailer, but not necessarily to clean a stall with a stall with you're doing a you're doing it with a manure fork. Okay. I used to sorry, I used to have to muck stalls when I was a kid and it's just like a shovel but it's just tines and it's just mm. it you can shake it and then the bedding like if it's sawdust like or whatever bedding you have. Yeah, the fresh bedding will fall out and the poop So will it's fall like in. a giant like cat litter scoop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's exactly what yes. it is. Uh-huh. So and that would be done like in a in a fancy stable every day. In a super fancy stable, um, they would have fresh bedding every day. Most horses get like fresh bedding once a week, mm-hmm. like fresh shavings, like it's fully cleaned out and scraped to the bottom, and then fresh bedding's bought, brought in. And there's a lot of different thoughts about how bedding down needs to happen for horses. Like it needs to be exactly this deep. And um, in Utah, I'm like, no, no, no. They're lucky if they get a little layer of wood shavings because that's what we get. And it's it, otherwise it's gonna be a mess. So. Um, uh, so there's just a bunch of different thoughts. Um, mayors typically like pregnant mayors will get different bedding if they're about to foal. So they'll get like a specific kind of straw or grass hay put down. Um, I haven't seen very many babies that are birthed in, um, wood shavings because of the dust and the risk to the baby. So I don't see that very often. Um, veterinarians might say otherwise because of that I go to they're they've got wood shavings in all their stalls. And I'm like, is this, is this healthy? I don't, I don't see this anywhere else only here, but for babies, it's not as healthy as it could be. So, um, and then fresh water horses need between 10 to 15 gallons each horse a day. So, um, that was one of my questions. Stable hands are filling up water buckets a lot. That's a lot of water. Yeah. So Jordan was saying that he heard that one of the reasons like people like camels so much is because they don't require as much water as, as horses do. Um, well, camels also spit, so I guess you get trade off. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, horses don't spit, so. <laughs> okay, question. Mm-hmm. So you have a stable hand or somebody who's like, oh, I'm sleeping in the stables tonight. Can he sleep in the same pen a horse is in, or is that just not smart? Don't do that. Because okay. horses don't sleep at night. Even in a even a stabled horse that is comfortable and it's in its house and it's like, I'm comfy here. This is my place. He's only going to sleep like max four hours a night. The rest of the time, he's going to like either kind of stand dozing in his stall or he's going to be pacing around. And it, I mean, horses have really excellent night vision, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be like make a mistake and step on you. Yeah. Like um, if the horse was exceedingly tired, it was like had been worked really hard. Um, yeah, maybe. You know, if that horse was utterly exhausted and might sleep six hours, you know, for once in its life. Um, but not not a typical horse on a typical day would I ever sleep in the stall. I would never make that choice. So stable hand is going to have like um, a boarding quarters that is typically not in the stable. It's a separate building oftentimes. And it'll just be bunk beds. So um, with like a washroom attached. These days, um, there's typically like a, it's like a bunkhouse. Um, and then... Hay is sometimes kept in above the horses. So mm-hmm. the stable will be like two levels and the first level will be stalls. Second level will be like equipment and hay storage. Um, here in Utah, especially in places that don't have a lot of room, it's easier to build upward, right? Like in London. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, like in Utah, 
we've got plenty of space. So we just typically will put um, a new hay shed or a hay barn and we'll build a specific barn for the hay that's separate from the horses. Um, and we'll just truck the hay back and forth. So, How many like bales of hay does like a single horse go through in like a month? Or okay, a so I have eight horses currently on property and we go through a bale of hay every feeding. So if we feed um, eight horses one to two flakes of hay a day, we're going to go through an entire bale of hay at that meal time. Okay. So if it's just one horse, you're going to have maybe two bales of hay. If you're feeding them two flakes in the morning, two flakes of alfalfa in the night. What's a flake? A flake. Hmm? What's a, like, what, how big is a flake? It's like a pizza box. Okay. It's the size and thickness shape of a pizza box. So they'll eat like two, sometimes three. If you've got like a, a um, like an endurance horse, like if your horse was running post or something like that and they were under heavy use, they would get three flakes. If your horse is just kind of like there for recreational purposes for the lady of the house to use whenever she feels like going on a fancy ride through the woods with her lace gloves and stuff, um, probably like two flakes a day. They're not going to be needing that calorie intake. So awesome. Okay. So going with this, you like, so before we had Mickey on here, I had actually lost about half the questions I had for her. And I remembered what one of them was and I'm super excited. So my character is taking his horse over to the tavern. Tell me the do's and don'ts of tying the horse up so you can go in and drink with your friends. Like how long can you leave a horse just tied up? Like, can you even do that? Hours? Like they'll just stay there if they're tied up? So like the Western saloon type of, of hitching rail, right, had a water trough next to it. And the same thing in Roman cities and the same thing in places where horses like like um, Edwardian, you know, pre like car era London, there were areas where the horses were to be stabled. Like there's um, um, a place in London called, uh, it's just called the stables. I don't remember but they're in specific areas of each borough or like each area of London had a stable that went with it. So if you were going to be shopping for the day in that area, you would go park your horse at the stable, right? And it would be a community stable. You'd like pay the stable guy like a, like a shilling or something. And they, they give would give you like a ticket and they check the number when you yeah, come it's back. Exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I mean, yeah. It's valet parking for your horse. Um, but like uh, Roman times, they had like... Um, those all those fountains that are everywhere, they would often have a trough attached to us. So you would like pay someone to go get a bucket out of the trough and or a bucket out of the well or the fountain for your horse. And they put the trough um, a little bit far removed from the well, but those wherever the water was is where the horses would also be hitched up. So there's often there would be someone employed. Like if you were a, a well-to-do person, you would have, and someone was coming over to your house, you would have a carriage or a garage where people would store their carriage while you were inside visiting and they would like untack the horses and take care of the horses. And you would have a group of people that traveled with you whose job it was just to take care of the horses and see to the carriage. Okay. So let's say that you're not rich though. Like, is it the same? Like, oh, me and my horse drawn carriage are going to pull up to this house. I'm going to go visit. Will the horses just stay there hooked up to the carriage for like Mm -hmm. hours on end? You can, like not. It's an idea. Okay, I'm like a cart you. horse. Well, if you're not rich, you wouldn't have a carriage, right? Yeah. No, you're right. So, but for like a cart horse, going to like I don't know, just I'm thinking like prairie little house on the prairie, visiting mm-hmm. your neighbors 12 miles away. Um, you would leave the horses um tacked up if it was just a short visit. But if it was like longer than 40 minutes, you'd probably pull them off the out of their harnesses and hitch them. So you just like give their lead rope or attach their reins to a hitching rail somewhere or like a tree 
and just leave them. So for at night, you would do um, a high a high tie, which is like a cord or a rope that is strung between two trees or two points. And then you would just tie the horse's lead rope to that rope that's above the horse's head. And then they'd stand there and sleep for the night. So it, it just depends on how long you're going to be there. So if you're going to a saloon to drink, typically it would you would just leave your horse out because you're going to be in like, what, 20, 30 minutes to have your drink and then go back about your business or you're there to just pick up an order, you would just leave your horse in the street. And, and it was kind of expected to do that. And people okay. wouldn't take them or anything like that because that was a huge, most people are in, are generally nice and there aren't exactly as many horse thieves as you think. So mm-hmm. yeah, what's interesting, there's this book I read that I really love called Fool's Crow and it's mm-hmm. um, um, a Native American novel. Ooh. And the way that like the competing tribes, like the enemy tribes would get at each other's, they would steal each other's horses. Oh, yeah. That's and totally that a thing. That's really interesting. Like, like if you want to like, disable your people or disable your enemy, take their take their horses. Well, it would be like stealing somebody's car, right? I mean, like, I mean, horses aren't cars, but like for the human, it would be like, well, you don't have transportation anymore. <laughs> okay, here's a really random one that I thought of. How would you, Mickey, write a centaur? <laughs> oh, okay. This is so great. I've already written one. Um, it's oh, a book okay. that... I, yeah, he's a centaur pirate. And so no, I know about this. You told me about this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell me how you would do a centaur. So a centaur would have to be like, I don't know if you could do typical ratios, like a typical horse size with a typical size of a man or something like that. Because then you end up like, if you do it proportional, you end up with this huge creature that is going to bump into things like, like it just, it just seems huge. So I thought, well, maybe you could, you could write a centaur in a different size. So like a pony sized body with like a smaller man, they'd still be like six feet tall. Um, but they, and they probably weigh something like 600 pounds, but that's not like the typical 900 pound horse that if you were to just put like a man's like, or a human's, um, hips onto the horses where the shoulder would be right where, Mm -hmm. where the, the head meets the body and go straight up where they'd end up being seven to eight feet tall. So I, I kind of thought about sizing him, sizing my centaur down a little bit, just because of space allowances, like if he's going to be on a ship because he can't, he's being hunted on land, um, you know, he's going to have to be able to be on a, on a ship. Those are some tight quarters. He's going to have to be a smaller centaur. And mm-hmm. if centaurs are to interact in a, like a world mostly dominated by humanoids, um, they're going to have, there's like stairs to navigate. Well, stairs aren't going to be centaur sized. You know, there's doorways. He's going to have to duck through every doorway. So if I was writing a centaur, I would just be aware of that. And then also like, the body dynamic. Um, he's a centaur. He's going to be, flies are going to bite his um, flanks. He's going to have a tail that if we're in his point of view, he's thinking about slashing the, his tail and keeping the flies off his flanks. Or he's thinking about when he needs to get his hooves trimmed in order to take care of his own feet. You know, just like we're like, when's my next pedicure? He's like, oh, I got to get these shoes figured out, you know? Um, <laughs> so it'd be a different living dynamic, I guess. Yeah. So I think I I said this in our last one, but people who aren't around horses much, because like this was me as well, you don't realize how big they are. Mm -hmm. They're huge. I mean, even a small horse takes up a lot of space and they can shoulder their way around. And I mean, imagine taking that into your house. And I did that with my horse. I took her into a building once. I was like, I just want to see how this works out. And it was (laughs) a lot more different than you thought. So, Yeah, I bet. Have you seen um, Jimmy Kimmel's horse pants? 
No. Okay, so Jimmy Kimmel did a thing where he went to the Shark Tank set and the Shark Tank people are there and he goes in to like present his business and it's horse pants and they bring in a horse wearing pants. So I was like, would a centaur wear horse pants? (laughs) No, absolutely not. And they might wear like, um, you know, if you see horse blankets, like Mm -hmm. um, because horse legs, um, the the cold heat situation in a horse leg is a little different. You know, horse wraps that you see on like um, competing horses, they wrap their legs up for safety reasons to keep their tendons safe, but you can't leave those wraps on for too long. Cause if they heat up, they actually start to, if they heat up too much, um, they start to actually break down uh, the cells in a horse's leg. Ooh, they're so fragile. <laughs> yeah. They're just weird, right? They're just different. Um, and every animal has stuff like this, you know, like where it's like, you can't, expose this creature to citrus because it will melt into a puddle or something like that you know um (laughs) birds they don't like essential oils anyway um uh so with horses and like the horse physiology of things like for a centaur you wouldn't want them to wear pants because it would create heat in the leg which would cause injury so you would typically just if you wanted to have a centaur that was cold and they wore a blanket they'd wear like a horse blanket that would probably they'd wear as like a um, a jacket up top on the ho- the human side, and then it would go down the horse side of the body as like a standard horse blanket. Mm, so, so and it probably have like straps that wrap around the back legs or like a girth, like a belt. But they would have to have somebody else put those on, or they could do it themselves. I, see, that's the thing is that, like if they're uh, most animals can reach every part of their body, so it was important to me when designing a centaur that a centaur could reach every part of his body. Mm. So he could like lean back and touch his tail. He could bend over and like touch his belly. You know with his hands like that's an important part of our life is that or an evolution i feel is that the, the creatures can touch their bodies or interact with themselves right no that makes sense mm-hmm. that's smart that's stuff i don't think about so <laughs> okay next question what are horse professions we don't think about because we think about riders when we think about like stable people are there other like horse related professions that we just don't see written about very often yeah um farriers so the pe- the guy who like I talk so much about horse hooves and horse care, but like the veterinarian is important, but my farrier is more important than my veterinarian. What's a farrier? <laughs> so a farrier, it's F A R R I E R, is the guy who is responsible for trimming hooves and for putting shoes mm. on horse hooves. So he like heats the metal on the shoe. He'll put the shoe in the forge and um or in the kiln, heat it up and nail it to the horse's shoe. And my farrier does medical shoeing because I have a horse with a turned out hoof and he'll actually trim the hoof so that my horse stands up straight. And so his hoof is no longer turned out. It's turned where it's supposed to be because of how he trims his hoofs. So a farrier um, can often, um, like a lot of horse problems that a horse is going to experience come from their hoofs and a farrier can fix every single one of those. So, um, and my horses see the farrier about every seven weeks because seven to eight weeks is the timetable between trimmings on a horse. So your horse Mm -hmm. needs their hooves trimmed about every seven weeks. So your centaur needs, you know, a seven to eight week appointment to get his pedicure. So you're saying I need to write a romance between a centaur and a farrier. No, no. Oh my God. That's amazing. (laughs) Can I write it too? If I write one and you write one, can I I write one? Oh my gosh. It's so. I actually wrote a cent, tried to write, I should say a centaur romance once. It was uh, interesting. Do you, do you want to read one? Yes. Okay. It's called hot blood. H O T B L O O D. Exclamation point. It's a web comic. And I know what this is. She told me to read. I've read a little bit yeah, of it. It's a male, it's male, good. not a farrier centaur romance, but it's like a, um, 
Western, a Wild West, um, Civil War era romance. It's called Hot Blood. Hot Blood. Um, but I will say this. It is a little sexy. And, I mean, you don't you don't see anything, but there's definitely something going on there. And you're like, <laughs> okay, it's a little awkward because that's a centaur with animal parts. And that's a human with human parts. So... Um, I think if you wanted to see the explicit stuff, there's like a Patreon for the artist, but Hot Blood webcomic. And um, the I think if it's still up and available when you load in, it loads you to the last page. So you have to kind of find the first page. But mm. so if, so you, if guys, you want to read one. If you guys are into that, there you go. <laughs> it was good. I'll, I'll say it's, someone, Is it's it like a, definitely an easy five star. Yeah, I read it. I read the whole oh, thing. Okay. Yeah, I was reading it while I was publishing. So it was like a weekly thing I got to look forward to. Mm. Okay. Um, next. All right. So we talked about this just a little bit, but let's talk about training a horse specifically for battle. So we talked a little bit about shooting the arrow off the horse, which Mm -hmm. also I'm like, how do you aim an arrow when you're bouncing up and down on a horse? But how do you get a horse that flees from paper bags to charge an enemy? You know, or how? yeah, go ahead. Let's do that one. We'll start with like, fencing or show jumping so you see like in the olympics horses that jump those huge fences have you ever seen a horse do that without a human involved like the answer is no they don't do that so it comes down to a human building a horse's confidence that it can do these things so part of it is training that the horse training the horse that whatever a human asks it to do is actually not an unsafe thing that the horse will be fine with the human doing it so like my horse he won't go downhill for some reason unless i'm there with him like I keep trying to ride him downhill and he's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I get off and he's like, oh, this is easy. And I'm like, you're so weird. Um, but like horses just have these weird hangups. It's just getting past that. Um, so with um, like medieval stuff, you've got like jousting, you've got um, stuff flying through the air. A lot of times you just can't desensitize a horse to like a trebuchet going mm-hmm. near it. And oftentimes you would not station your cavalry that close to a trebuchet. Like that would that would be a bad idea or a catapult. Like, do you want to freak your horse out? Good job. Or like lose your calorie. So it's, um, so some of it's strategy <clears throat> and some of it's just repetition. So like swinging a horde near uh, a sword near a horse. So the horse is like, this is part of my equipment. Like every time I'm around, someone's going to have a sword and it's going to be swinging around my face. And I'm fine with that because it's never hurt me before. Most horses are cool with it. Same with jousting. Horses have been trained for it. They just do it over and over and over again. Um, and you would just start out slow. Like, hey horse here's what a lance looks like and you would just kind of show the horse the lance and the horse will like you know horses are typically trained to be curious and they'll be like oh what is that that's cool I want to see it and they'll come up and their ears will be picked forward and they'll like snort with their nostrils and they like slink back a little bit like they're almost ready to flee and then they'll be like oh this is cool it's not so bad and then you know you lift it above the horse you don't you like not someone who's holding it but you lift it above the horse's head so they know that this thing is going to be above them you know, you, you touch every part of their body with the object, like a sword, you would just kind of swing the sword around every part of the horse until the horse is like, I'm cool with this happening, you know? Mm-hmm. And you can see that from the horse's body language. And then you would take it to the saddle and everything changes once you do stuff from the ground to the saddle. If you've done enough groundwork preparation, typically when you get to the saddle, you have to do less work, but you still have to repeat everything that you just did on the ground on the horse. So like I, I would take, um, for example, I have a dressage whip. It's a half size whip it's not like a full launch whip Mm -hmm. and it's just got like a little flicker thing on it and I would touch the horse all around uh, from the ground get up on top of the horse and I would spend hours doing the exact same thing 
um, from the saddle. Like I touch them between the ears, touch them on their tail, but like not hit them, just kind of tap them with it. So they know that it's there. It can touch these parts. It's not hurting them. So they're comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. You would do the same thing with every other piece of equipment. Um, of course so you get armor. like- Would you just put like one little piece of armor on them and let them get really used to it before you go into a full armored horse? Um, no, you could probably do the full armored kit the first time. Um, and just go slow as you apply it and let the horse investigate everything. Like that's the, mm-hmm. that's the polite thing to do for your horse to help it like mentally stay sane. Um, and then because once that horse starts to move and like he's walking off the hitching rail, that's all going to make some noise. So he's going to run. He will. I mean, you could do it all at once and he'll run and be scared the first little time. And then as he moves and it feels that on his body, he'll kind of like relax into it. Okay. Same thing yeah. with horses who've never had boots on their legs, like those wraps I was talking about. Mm-hmm. The first time you put them on, they just like lift their feet up and they're like, what is what is this? I'm trying to step out of it and I can't. And, <laughs> and they, they, they just look really silly. So the first thing might happen with the first time a horse gets armor on them, they might look a little strange. Um, and then you'd probably launch them in a round corral or around in a pen and let the horse run and feel and kick out while it's got all this equipment on it. And then you would start putting them into work and you'd ride them with the, like at the trot, the canner and the gallop with all of this equipment on with you on their back, with your other tools, like your jousting ear, your swords, your, your bow and arrow. And then they'd probably be fine. Do you want to explain what lunging the horse is? Oh, lunging a horse. So when you see it's a part of training that are used in exercise of a horse where you kind of like have a round corral, you have a line attached to the horse's halter and you have like a longer whip. Um, and basically you're running the horse in a circle exercising them um, or training them. Like if I put a new saddle on a horse, sometimes I'll launch them first just to see how their reaction is because you can launch a horse. It gives you, you know, 12 to 15 feet of distance between you and the horse. So you can see everything that they're thinking because horses think with their bodies. Um, And, you know, like if they're like scuttling their tail or if their ears are pinned back or if they're shying away from stuff, you can see all of that on, um, on a launch line or in a round corral or a round pen. And so it's just a training tool that you would use like every, every new thing you'd be like, here, I'm going to launch you with this on you so that you can feel it slapping around. And then once they're relaxed at the launch on the launch liner in the brown pen, um, with that equipment on them, then you would take it up another step. Okay. All right. Next question. I am curious about inclines. <laughs> like how much of an incline can a horse handle? Cause sometimes I see horse trails. I'm like, a horse can't go up that. Yeah. And then I also want to know how unrealistic is the charge at the end of the two towers when Gandalf and all the horse riders go down that ridiculously steep mountain. But let's start with how much of an incline can a horse handle? Um, so like, I think the standard not good grade for cars and things is like a 4% or something like that. Right. 4% grade Man. is dangerous. I've seen um, signs that are like for trucks that are like 8%. Yeah. Like, a horse, I don't know. What what do you think that is? Like that angle. Yeah. Imagine in your guys' head that Mickey like, is turning her hand slightly off to the side from straight. Yeah, if you go like your <laughs> hold your hand vertical and then you just kind of give it like a let's do on clock base. If you just tip it to one one o'clock, that's pretty yeah. steep. A horse could probably scramble up that by itself if it was like loose gravel or like loose dirt. Wow. Um if it were shale, no, probably not. But if you do it to like two o'clock a horse could do that with a rider really especially if they had speed and especially if the footing was well so like if it was rock nope it's not happening um i mean you see like in spirit stallion of the cimarron how he's like scrambling over the sandstone that's sandstone it's rough it is meant to be gripped on and he's like a hard hoofed mustang 
he's going to have no problem scrambling across that with nobody on his back. Um, so horses can go pretty steep before they're like, this isn't great. Like a shale cliff. Nah, not really. But like, depending on the footing. Oh yeah. So how do you feel about the two towers? Um, I feel pretty good about it. Cause that's a loose, if you look as the horses are going down, there's loose gravel underneath them. It's pea gravel. It's not the worst footing in the world, but it's like, it's, it's a softer footing. Everything there is clearly moving around. It looks really, really steep, but it's not that bad. Um, so a rider would look down that. And when, as you're riding down that, you're like, Oh no, I'm going to die. I'm going to die today. I hope I, you know, got all my affairs in order. Cause I'm going to die. That's what that looks like from the saddle. But um, if you just sit back and you would like just lean far back and kind of um, drop your heels and push your heels for, or your feet forward a little bit in the saddle, you're gonna be just fine. Just imagining that though, I'm just like, oh, I'd crap my pants. <laughs> I can't believe you know what kind of gravel there is. Right. <laughs> That's crazy that you knew what kind of gravel that was. You're just like, ah, oh, yes, in the two towers, there's pea gravel. <laughs> Sorry. Like, okay, like when, no, I, when it's a great. horse person watches a movie, I'm looking at what the horse is doing. Like their characters could be doing all this stuff. And I'm like, they're riding that horse over gravel. Those a-holes. I hate them. That was a bad production crew. <laughs> they did bad. You know, like, and you just, you judge them for that. But um, gravel isn't the, but that's like deep gravel. So it's not like a deep, really tiny, tiny pea gravel. So it's not, it's not a big a deal. It, like they probably picked out those horses hooves and most of the um, people riding in as extras in those movies were women anyway, just women in beards. So, um, you and I'm like, I trust the equestrian girls. They, they know what they're doing. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Is there a logistical reason why they would be women in beards instead of men just because they're lighter or? No, there are actually more women riders than there are men. Horse girls. So, you know. so like her, horse girls run the equestrian world right now. It's really rare to be like to see a guy who's kind of into it and who isn't like it, th- there's just more women than men right now in that's the in the sport. And that's why the extras tend to be all women. Um, but in the two towers, they're not going that fast downhill. They're kind of, they're just kind of, they're just going. They're not galloping down that hill as fast as you think. Um you know, once you can spot like the gates of a horse, like walk, trot, canter, they're kind of somewhere between a walk and a trot. And there's a couple of them that are bouncing down that slope, but they're not like, they're, they're not going as fast. Now, if you want to see something in cinema, that's so dangerous, you need to watch a movie called the man from snowy river. He has two horses that are, I think it was two horses that were used to film that man's horse as he's going down this, um, or as he's riding in, in the film. And the, but there's this point when he's chasing a herd of horses down a cliffside and um, all the other riders are like, man, that's too steep. We're not going to stop. And he comes flying past them on his mountain pony. And he jumps off that cliff with this horse and just goes down this incline. And he's basically almost horizontal on his horse. Like he's leaning so far back. His head is almost touching that horse's tail and they're crashing through brush and stuff. And I'm, and that was filmed. Um, exactly the way that it looks so that horse is going down that steep grade as fast as that man looks like he's going at a full tilt and the horse is just taking it you watch that horse's concentration he knows his job and he's fine and he's completely balanced so if you want to see something amazing and that'll convince you that horses are kind of cool um go watch the man from snowy river it's kind of like a a really adorable little australian cowboy romance um I'm going to look it up. That sounds but amazing. The horse riding in that film is just oh, spectacular. Anyway. <laughs> okay. I'm I have really, one more like, question. Mm-hmm. So how likely is it that someone would be able to sleep in their saddle? Like it's really unlikely. I, I think I mentioned last time 
that a couple hours in the saddle and you're just like your bones start to ache. Your body, like I ride almost every day for hours a day and I still get like at four hours, I'm like, ooh, like a couple hours. I'm like, I, I need to take my feet out of the stirrups and roll my ankles or something and like loosen up because your body just doesn't love it over time. Sorry. She's drinking a soda. What kind of soda is it? What do you recommend? Oh, I'm drinking polar seltzer water, black cherry flavor. Oh, hey, polar seltzer water. If you want to sponsor us, I'm just kidding. Or uh, limoncello LaCroix. <gasps> LaCroix. Oh, LaCroix. It's Mickey's favorite. Mickey doesn't drink really? soda. She drinks seltzer waters. Yeah. Um, I want to ask, though, as far as sleeping in the saddle goes, but like it appears in so much fiction that I've seen. Like it seems like it has to be possible. Is it possible? Like it's possible, but you would be dead tired and your yeah. horse would not be like running. Your horse would probably be ambling. Like I just, I just have a hard time imagining it because I get so uncomfortable in the saddle, and I have a really comfortable saddle. Yeah, I mean, this is like during escape scenes, and like usually when people literally cannot stop because it's life or death. That's the only time you usually see it. I've I've done that thing where you drape yourself over the horse. You know, like I've draped myself backward over the horse, which is not fun, by the way. Like having it jars your back really bad to mm. to do that. So that's not the way you would do it. You would like lean forward on the horse, um, but. I don't know how you would also keep your horse going. Like again, two towers, Vigo Mortensen when he and Strider when he's being carried by the the horse from the r- river back to the uh, back to Helm's Deep, and he's laying over the horse. That's probably the only position you could do that successfully. And if you didn't have another person riding with you and you were leaning against them, um, but it would be under very extreme circumstances that that would be realistic it's just not comfortable to sleep in a saddle and if you have a saddle horn like if you're in a western saddle no (laughs) sorry you're not sleeping in that saddle you're getting off uh because that you don't want to be draped over the front of a saddle with that saddle horn goring you in the gut like no that's not happening that'll be a scene where someone is so dead tired they take out their knife and cut off the saddle horn (laughs) oh it's like you'd have to have a saw but i guess like they use their superpowers because this is a fantasy novel Mm mm-hmm Okay, maybe. Blast it off, and then they scare the horse, and then they get thrown. Down the cliff, (laughs) and then they die anyway for their wizardly stuff. Okay, so tell me about, you have a book called Deadly Equines that you've been showing us pictures from. So what is this book? Okay, so one of my favorite books that is a fiction is um, Scorpio Races by Maggie Stiefvater, which features features, um, meat-eating horses. And so I was like, that's not a thing. I got to go find out about it. So I found this book, Deadly Equines, by, um, look, I'm going to slaughter this name, Chuchulain O'Reilly. Oh, that's okay. It's spelled C U C H U L L A I N E O'Reilly. <laughs> it looks like it's based on the old Irish folk hero whose name is maybe pronounced something like Kukalin, but I. Yeah, Kukalin. Pretty sure I slaughtered that, so. I've only ever read it. Sorry. No, I'm pretty sure you're right. The, the famous famous cattle thief um so deadly equines is a book about deadly horses and uh meat-eating horses and it's got like the stories of king diomedes um who had these famously vicious mares um who would um he would toss his enemies to and they would eat them and then one oh. day they turn on him that's a, is this a uh, real thing uh-huh this is this is mythology and the, oh and this goes through the real thing like real horses that were recorded as eating meat or attacking people. So most horses are not this violent, of course. Um, but horses will... Of course, of course, of course, of course. Yep. Sorry, I had to. But some horses will um, 
eat eat meat on their own. Like they'll go kill a chicken and eat it. Um, it's really, really rare. Or like a hamster. Horses have been seen like chewing on dead coyotes and like mountain lions that they've killed. I've seen a video of one eating a chick. Yeah. So they'll 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 try. And um, so like how they got um, horses to Antarctica is they would feed they fed them a meat diet, a meat and oat diet. Really. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then um, horses in Tibet up until like the 1950s were recorded as being fed sheep's blood. A tired oh. horse would be fed sheep's blood and uh, grain, a, a sort of grain. Huh. And then there's a bunch of mythology about um, like all the horse gods, basically, like especially in Japan and um, Africa. They have uh, accounts of those horses being like these super extreme horses, like they could ride across a tree branch. And up a tree trunk and across the tree branch and onto a roof, you know, that and that these that they were these vicious meat eating horses and yeah. And I forgot where that was going. That's well that is and so this mythology is what the deadly equines is about. Yeah, so deadly equines, um it's just it's just another side of um I kinda wanted to share just another side of horses and how we can use to write about them because like I said, I don't read a lot of fiction that includes horses heavily in them because they get it so wrong oftentimes. Um, but like Maggie Steve Fodder's done it really well. You know, I love, I did like the book Misty of Chicotique. Um, it was one of my favorite books as a kid about horses. Um, but it, I think where horses are really successful in fiction is where they're, they've done um, in a mythological format and they've, they're given these sort of strange monstrous um, but anyway, so just like if you wanted to see a different side of um, horses that are not just these prey animals where you can take some examples where they are predatory and kind of use that as um, a effect in your fantasy and in your writing, I would check out that book, Deadly Equines. So. That, I know that sounds so amazing. So many good recommendations. Okay, so we got to wrap up because Mickey has a job and has to be responsible. Um, <laughs> so Mickey, where can people find you? Um, oh, wait, let's do one last thing because okay, someone ahead. asked how fast can horses pull a cart? Mm. And it's base speed for like an average cart. I looked up is 15 miles an hour. Oh, so if you're running, racing around town, it's a between 15 and 20 miles an hour with a cart. So, so fast. <laughs> so, so <speeds>. fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone can find me at my website, www.mickeyhelmer.com. M-I-K-K-I. H-E-L-M-E-R. And I've got links to my novel Nightfall, which is releasing through Kindle Vela. Um, I think it's up to like chapter 10. It releases like one chapter, one or two chapters a week. So Yes. And I'm also on Instagram. And all my links are, of course, on my website. But I'm also on Instagram. As a potter, I do ceramics at nightcraftco.com. If you guys happen to be at Storymakers this year, all those really cool mugs and stuff that we were selling at the Your Mom Writes Books table, those were Mickey's. She made all of those because she's amazing. I She has one that has a Hobbit door on it. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> Mickey's pottery is the best pottery. Thank you. It does okay. Um, awesome. And then Caitlin resurrecting from the dead where can where can we find you yes um i'm caitlin mcfarland you can't find me anywhere i'm a secret um (laughs) uh unless you want to talk to me in which case you can find me sometimes you can find me on instagram but i do go in and out like a wraith and um 
you Venmo me $50, I will give you her email address. And no. $100, I'll tell you her mailing address. Get out of – no, she At won't. CN Holmberg. Thank you. She's crazy. I'll give you 10% of the cut. No, thank you. I don't want $10 for a stalker to know my address. <laughs> um, not that – look, I, as far as I know, I don't have any of those, so that's fine. Um. Yeah, you can find my my short stories from Deep Magic. I think it's in the first anthology and then the fifth collection. I've got a couple of short stories. If you really super want to read my books, you're welcome to email me uh, or email your mom writes books at gmail.com. And you can also send her harassment to make sure that she gets her books republished faster. Yeah, and I yes. do have like a an author email address. It's caitlin.h.mcfarland at gmail.com. You, that is public knowledge. You don't have to pay Charlie $50 for that. But I so, know your other one. <laughs> get out of here. Anyways, oh, and I'm on still on Etsy uh, at Words and Geekery, Instagram it's, at Words and Geekery. Her email's hotforhohos at gmail.com. Yes, <laughs> it is. Please email hotforhohos at gmail.com <laughs> and say Caitlin and good luck to whoever's email address that is. Okay. Uh, I'm Charlie and Holmberg. You guys can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and especially on Instagram at CN Holmberg. You can find me at Charlie Holmberg Music on YouTube and online at charlienholmberg.com. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. We update every Tuesday and we take questions at yourmomwritesbooks at gmail.com. Mickey, do you have a horse pun for us today? I don't. I am not a pun person. I, I just have cool facts. It's up to you, and you can't do one about me being horse because you did a horse one last time about being horse. Okay, here's a question. It's all on you, Charlie. So yes. in your in your hot blood, right? So it's it's male male. One's a centaur. So if they decided to be civilly united, would they still be married? <laughs> oh my gosh! I can't. I can't. Stop it. Why do we allow this to continue? That's so horrible. I, I, oh my gosh. That was pretty good given the amount of time I had. <laughs> that was pretty good, was pretty good. On, on the spot. Um, wow, that was good. Oh my gosh. Oh, and something, that was bad. something when I was re-listening to Mickey's first one that I noticed we haven't been saying lately is you guys can find our podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Your Mom Writes Books. So I don't think we've said that for a while, but you can. Thank you so much for coming with us, to coming with us, for talking to us, Mickey, and sharing your your brain things. Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, what do we say when we sign off? We already said it. Okay, bye. Say thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Hopefully, I'll be talking in a normal voice by then. <laughs> bye. Bye. bye.